It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy is proudly brought to you by Tote. Get a 10% boost on your winnings on all horse racing markets exclusively on Tote.co.uk or Tote.ie. Welcome to the show. Still a lot of the flat season to come. But we are jump fans dreaming. We're jump fans dreaming because we've got the Tinkle Creek, we've got the King George, we've got the DRF, we've got the Leopardstown Christmas Festival. We, of course, have the Cheltenham Festival all to come. And if we're going to talk about the jumps first, then there's only one man to do that with. And that is the author of the outstanding, and I mean outstanding and essential jumpers to follow 2021-2022 with Weatherby's Mr. Paul Ferguson. Paul, welcome back to the show. Hi, Emmett. Nice to be back. Great to have you back, my friend. Uh, This is proper essential stuff. You do a remarkable amount of work. If we actually broke down how much work you do on this, I'm pretty certain that most people would just go... Nah, there's no way he works that hard on it. Uh, but you've got um, pundit selections as per usual. You have been round to plenty of various different major stables and yards. Um, you have a complete section on uh, top class performers, but you lead off with, as always, your leading prospects after your eloquent forward. Um, you're talking about horses from across the sea. You are uh, then talking to jockeys, and um, you have uh, news from France as we look at some of the imports into the UK and Ireland, and point-to-point graduates as well. And I'm always fascinated by the point-to-point graduates um, of a, a guy who does outstanding work for me. He doesn't want to be named on the show, but he does brilliant, brilliant work for me and provides me with some some great. Uh, point-to-point knowledge and info, which then I can just claim as my own here on the show as I um, announce that that's not the case. I've said that before, and I've asked him, does he want to come on? And he's just one of these people who's quite shy. So um, I'll just pay him for the work instead. Thanks very much, mate. Uh, And, of course, Big Race Trends there, too, and horses who are switching codes. So... You put in an enormous amount of work into this, and it's all of that work that it paid off last season, it paid off the season before. Um, Jumpers to Follow is one of the must-have books uh, of the entire season, and it's up to you, Final Front Podcast team, 
FFP Army, whatever you want to do. Do you want the book or do you want the digital copy or do you want both? And the great news is, courtesy of our friends at Weatherby's, who have now rebranded Betrends, so it's weatherbyshop.co.uk, which makes things much easier and much less com- less confusing. Uh, yet again, we are coming with the gravy discount. FFP Army, you're getting yourself the Final Forum Podcast gravy discount for one of the most essential reads of the season. So, Paul Ferguson, drop the knowledge. When you go to weatherbyshop.co.uk and you're choosing whether or not you want to go for the hard copy, the digital copy, or the bundle, both, what is the final Furlong Podcast listeners' gravy discount? Uh, the discount code to be entered in the basket is JTF21FF, and that allows £3 off either print or digital or bundle, as you say. Beautiful. JTF21FF. That's the code. That's the one. Beautiful. Fantastic stuff. Um, you basically spend the entire summer working on this. I do, yeah, and even more so this year. I haven't had much involvement at all on the flat, so I felt like I spent even longer than I normally do. So, yeah, I was cracked straight on after Punches Down's finished and started in May and then uh, finished article this year. We went to print end of August and or start September and published on the 10th. So, yeah, it's been out about a month now, just short of a month. So, sales going well. Hopefully that will continue. Hopefully it'll be boosted considerably by the time uh, we uh, we go live. And um, no, looking forward to getting properly stuck into the book. And obviously we're going to talk about some views that you have for the season. I'll ask you about a few horses, but we're not giving away all of the gold here because I'm not taking away all of the gold that you've worked so hard on. But... Um, as part of the book, you talked to Chievely Park, and Chievely were, they were discussing, Richard Thompson was talking towards the end of last season about how they would be scaling down, and yet when you look at the quality of horses that they have this season, there's still so much exciting horses there uh, that we can be really privileged to get to see as long as they all stay fit and healthy, and of course we've already had uh, the blow that Monkfish and top top of the game again is out for the season, which is a real shame for Nichols and Connections, but also the fact that um, Monkfish, who would have been a massive player in the Gold Cup, is out. But with 160 days to go, 22 hours and 37 minutes to the Sheltenham Festival, might I bring your attention, first of all, as we go through the prism of the Cheltenham Festival, to the Arkle. So we were talking about this off air beforehand, um, Willie Mullins and how he just kind of talks out loud in terms of his thought process. Uh, Appreciated has looked every inch a chaser. And yet he did say towards the end of his interview at Cheltenham last year, uh, you know, maybe, I think the owner is keen for the champion hurdle, maybe we could do that, but I, I think... That was a Victor-like performance, and we'll, we'll go for the Oracle. But but the champion hurdle would be an option as well. Huge help. Uh, three to one. Jesus Christ, these prices. They've no shame, bookmakers, anymore. Um, three to one favorite for the Oracle. If he takes defenses, like 
like Willie Mullins is able to do with these uh, deadly hurdlers, um, then he potentially is going to be the the star of the two mile division this season um, as a novice. Uh, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I'd, I'd be I'd be amazed if he had done a champion Edward, to be honest, just given his uh, physique and the fact that he's seven, he'll be eight come uh, in the spring. Obviously, um, I, I'd be I'd be shocked if he doesn't start the season in a beginner's chase. Um, yeah, there's plenty of good races to be won before before you get to Cheltenham, but I would imagine he'd be he'd be the one to beat in the uh, in the two grade ones over two miles one. Um, at Leopardstown over Christmas and obviously in the Irish Ark with the Dublin Racing Festival I would imagine they will be his targets presuming that all goes well um, on debut I actually throughout last season I was waiting for him to go up and trip I thought he was I got it totally wrong after the champion bumper I thought he was crying off two and a half and that's, he was improved for it that's what I thought um, yeah he'd obviously won a two mile four um, bumper at Leopardstown the previous Christmas but it, it was quite interesting uh, Patrick's one of the contributors this year for the first time when I was interviewing him throughout the summer and chatting about different things he was he, one of the things he said to me was that don't worry about the distance of the bumper it's kind of and even sometimes with the maiden hurdles with Willie it's kind of just finding a race for them um, and they're good enough to win anyway so because uh, that that was something I pointed out to him obviously was it a necessity that he would need to go up and trip in time or but uh, and again I think it's it might well be I might fall into the same trap with Kilcrut. I've got in my head that he could improve for going up and trip, but um, Patrick touch, touches upon it in the book in his pages, saying that he thinks he'd be right at home over a strongly run two miles. So it could be that he um, heads down a similar path this year. Okay. Um, and we'll talk about some of the uh, the insight that you've had from jockeys as well, but that's, that's actually something we've talked about on the show before, that Willie tends to place his novices just in the, in the right kind of races. It's one of the reasons why Faheen ran in the three-mile graded race at Limerick at Christmas before he went and won the Ballymore. And, of course, there were so many people who were then thinking, oh, he'll go for the potato race at Cheltenham. He'll be going for the Albert Bartlett. But that was never the intention. The intention was always to drop back to, to two-mile five. It was just about finding a race for him. And uh, that was the race they felt was the right one for him. Um, and that's one of the geniuses of, of Willie Mullins. That he's not afraid to, to take those chances. And if it goes wrong, he'll hold his hands up um, when he gets it right. He doesn't tend to brag about it. Uh, in terms of, if he's the standout, in terms of the, the horse that might be a value play for you right now or a horse that you're intrigued by backing, for the Supreme Novices Hurdle, with the exception of Appreciated. Who would that be? For the Arkle, sorry, we're talking, yeah. Appreciated, sorry, for, for the Arkle, yeah. of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah look, geez, whether anyone wants to be getting involved at three to one um, this far in advance, I, I don't know, but it, it actually does strike me as a division that might be a little bit thin on the ground this year. If you look at the the, the next horse in the market, Bob Ollinger, I would, I would expect to be campaigned over an intermediate trip, same as my drove. We might start at two miles, but I'd be surprised if he wasn't back up at two and a half by halfway through the season. Colixios reportedly stays over hurdles. Fernie Hollow, we don't know um, what Willie will do with him and Chiefly Parker, that's still to be decided. Again, Mon Morale, um, no confirmation or decision has been made as to whether he goes chasing or remains over hurdles I think he might stay over hurdles so then you're getting into the realms of um, also bigger odds and 
sitting on the ground. Just one um whether he develops into an Arco candidate, that's that's another matter. But he's also I'm really looking forward to he was one of my leading prospects last year and we only seen him once. Um, a horse called Boot Hill, uh, trained by Harry Fry. He won a bumper at Kenton on his debut under rules the previous season. Um, and that race worked out fairly well last year. There's plenty of bump up and hurdles winners in behind. Came out in December and absolutely bolted up a ton. And he's quite keen going sore, but it didn't stop him. He backed off the boards and he won by the best part of 10 lengths. Um, a strong traveller. He's rated 137 after just one run over hurdles. I did wonder if maybe he would consider something like the Great Wood hurdle, but uh, Harry Fry has already been out in the press and said that the intention is to go straight to offences with him. Um, so. He'd be, he'd be one. He's currently priced up at fifty to one for the Arkle, as I say, whether he develops into that that level. But I will I wouldn't be surprised if he developed into a graded novice chaser. And I think he's got the size and scope for it. And um I think two miles is his trip, because I say he is quite free going. I don't don't see any reason at this stage to be you'd be looking at going up in trip with him. Value already. Possibly on the final front podcast. Uh, one that I, I wanted to ask you about was the horse who transferred from Robert Colley to Willie Mullins. Okay. This is a horse that Willie had wanted for quite a long time. Um, hello, Sarah Lynham, uh, interrupting the final front podcast. That's no problem. We won't hold that against you at all. Uh, um, is uh, Willie told the story about how he, he wanted this horse from Robert Colley, James de Burley, and Colley was like, no! No sign, no sell. And all of a sudden, he gets a, a phone call from uh, Manir and Swede saying, hey, we've got this horse called James de Burley. We'd like to send him to you. And he nearly fell over. And he went for it with him. He became a massive gamble at, at Cheltenham and uh, got thumped. Uh, he then went and took on Classical Dream, but took a huge rise in trip over three miles. So I wouldn't, put in too much stock into the two runs that we saw, plus he's only five. Chasing is going to be the name of the game for him, and he has experience of going to the festivals now, and you'd imagine he'll have strengthened up over the summer as well. So any idea what kind of... Because <laughs> if you're trying to base on the experience of what he's done with Willie so far about what distance he's going to run at, hmm, he's running the champion hurdle, and he's running the sta the stairs hurdle at the Punchestown Festival. Um, is he a potential Arkle candidate for you? And if so, is 33 to 1 just way too big? Uh, not for me, really. I, I, I was surprised that he, well, he could be. You know, he, obviously, with, with Louis, we don't know for definite which way he'll go, but I was surprised that he aimed at the champion hurdle. Possibly, maybe it was just a case of um, the, the owners wanting to run the festival, and obviously there isn't a two-and-a-half-mile Race. I'd, I'd have been more inclined to look at entry for him with the entry hurdle because um, I thought he looked more of a stayer over two and a half in France than, than the horse that wants to drop him back in trip so um, it didn't then surprise me that he went up in trip at Punchestown although it was obviously quite a dramatic step up in trip but again there's no two and a half mile race um, open hurdle at Punchestown so again it could have just been a case of finding the options and he, he was ridden right out the back that day behind classical dream and picked his way through the field so he it, it, not taking anything away from the run it was a fine run but I think he was ridden to give him the best chance of hitting the frame almost he came, came from behind and yeah. um, ran on through beating horses I think it might end up that an intermediate trip might end up being um, what he wants just on what I've seen of him in France before 
is two runs that we've seen, obviously, in England and Ireland. Um, so, yeah, it could be that he ends up down the marsh route, possibly. But again, there's plenty of decent two and a half mile novice chases in Ireland. Um, the likes of the flow gas um, would be one that would spring to mind that that probably be penciled in maybe as a target for him in February, I would have thought. Okay, so Marsh candidate potentially then in uh, James de Verley, and we can come to his price uh, a little bit later on. I'm still getting my head around the fact that it's no longer the RSA, it's the Festival Novices Chase. Yay. Um, or the or Rory would have us at the Broadway Novices Chase, its official title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, R- R- Rory likes to, R- Rory likes he's, to go He's back. correct, to be fair. Like I, I still like... I still prefer the Felton to the Porto star, so yeah. I'm, I'm with Rory with that one. Though. But here's the thing. When I say the Hennessy, he goes, no, it's the Ladbrokes. Right? No, yeah. no, it's the Hennessy. Uh, so he, he, has his, he has his moments, but yeah, he's <laughs> legend. And um, God, we did an epic, we did a Joe Rogan-style podcast last night. It was um, uh, fantastic getting him back on. And he's back on Thursday as we talk about the flat, but you don't want to hear about that because you want to hear about jumps, don't you? Yes, of course you do. Uh, so for the Festival Novices Chase, who are you looking at? Who's um, really standing out to you on the basis of, first of all, form, but also on the basis of being on the gallops and meeting trainers, talking to jockeys? Um, who's the horse that is at the moment at uh, at a price, maybe, or, or maybe it's a horse who's a single-figure price or... Uh, just low double figure prices that you think I can't get away from. Uh, yeah, I think I think we touched upon it. I mean, at the end of last season, we were on our review shows. I think uh, Brave Man's Game looks like also should flourish for going over fences. I would have thought, and that's why I said low up. double figure prices, maybe because <laughs> he's what ten, twelves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, I think he's penciled in. He might, he might actually run. I know he's entered that. Um, Chepstow on Saturday, but it looks likely that Fidelio Vallas will run for Paul. Uh, so he could actually go in against more experienced horses in an intermediate chase at Newton Abbott on Sunday, which would be interesting if he was to take on a horse like Fusil Raffles first time out at certainly tell you a lot. I'm not sure personally whether Newton Abbott would be the ideal track for him, being given his size. Um, but he filled the eye when I was down at Paul's recently. Um, obviously, hope to high for him. Um, I would think, yeah, I would expect him to improve offences. Obviously, a lot depends on whether Willie sends Gallop on Deschamps chasing. He's got him in Classical Dream. If I, if I was in Willie's position, I would, haven't seen Classical Dream done what he done, what, did, what he did at Punchestown. I would be running him in another three-mile hurdle race and I'd send Gallop on Deschamps, who's a bit younger, um, over fences. Yeah. My Drogo... Isn't see, I think this this division looks a lot deeper potentially than the two mile division. My Drogo would fill anyone's eye if they if they seen him up close. I got to see him at Aintree at the end of the season, luckily on um, Grand National Day, and then again at Dan's more recently. Um, he's every inch a chaser, and he's just starting to fill into his frame. But I, I, while he could end up being a Gold Cup horse in time, three miles, I get the I kind of get a feeling he he mightn't be stretched out that far this season. I wouldn't be surprised if he. If he was kept to around two and a half, um, so I think Galapan de Champa and Brave Man's game probably the obvious standout pair, and probably rightfully so towards the head of the betting. Um, if you're looking, like I know a lot of people are Brave Man's game fans, uh, I think Ahoy, Ahoy Senor is probably being slightly overlooked for defeating them at entry. 
he's currently 40 to 1 in the market again whether he develops into um, a genuine contender for this race time will tell but I do think he, he will be a smart chaser um, and I don't think there was much fluke about it Braveman's game is probably feeling the effects of Cheltenham so yeah he might turn the tables on him but I don't think it was a, a complete and utter shock I think the performance he put up was considering it was only his second start over hurdles was unbelievable really and looking back at his English point to point yeah, he put up a similar performance from the front and he jumped particularly well that day so I could see him being difficult to beat in soft ground chases up in the north novice chases up in the north losing the Russell um, and it might end up that he does he, he does end up making up into a contender for this so you say if listeners are looking for something to hang the hat on at a big price say 40 to 1 it's probably a little bit insulting considering his, his defeat of Brave Man's game in Ancient Pretty sure Sean Quinlan gave him a big mention on the podcast as well uh, last season. So, always in your 40s. Um, I'm highly insulted that you didn't mention the potato race winner. What's your thoughts on Vanillier? Vanillier, yeah, he, 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 he kind of caught me out a bit last year. I was, I really liked him early on. And then he ran in the race you mentioned um, at Christmas, didn't he? He was beaten by Farouk Delen, if I remember rightly. At, yep. Um, Limerick in a, in a race that invariably works out well later on in the season um, and then I think was he he was reported to have been sick when he just didn't really go a yard did he in the, in the two mile six the first race of the Dublin Racing Festival and Nathaniel Lacey travelled a um, yard yeah there's another horse from that who again gentleman's game and I when I was on a couple of times last year's horse I liked I was uh, so I was slightly disappointed with the way his season tailed off, but he, again, he's only five, so he could take another step forward. Likewise, Vanillier, um, going back to him, he was pretty impressive at, at Cheltenham. I was, I was, but the ground was an unknown really going into it, um, and I wondered if 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 he'd be able to cope with the quicker conditions, but he did. He bounced off them and ran out a ready winner. Again, he he might well have been over the top, a shade over the top. Um, a puncher's town and might not have ran to form behind Gallop and the Champ. So uh, I think it's always a meeting puncher's town where you've got to just tread carefully a little bit and treat um, those results with a little bit of caution. But yeah, wouldn't, certainly wouldn't put anyone off. He's got he's definitely got the physique for fences. He's a point to point winner, um, stay as well. So yeah, he's, again, he ticks plenty of boxes. So as I say, I, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a division I'd be rushing into back something for because I think there's plenty of strength and depth in there. But I think we could be in. With some really good classes earlier in the season and some some of the other graded novice chases. Yeah, because this is the great thing, particularly in Ireland, is that they're not going to be able to avoid each other. So they are going to take each other on. But it doesn't mean that if... Uh, and I would... I'm like you. I would be stunned if Classical Dream goes back over fences. I, I think even the way he moves, I don't think it's the right thing for him. Um, well, he was. I think he was due to he was due to run over fences, wasn't he? Last Christmas, and then yeah. he was a non-declared non-runner, wasn't he? Yeah, that was the plan. They were, oh, they, were, um, they were dead set on going on going chasing. Yeah, he was declared to run at Leopardstown, so mm. again, they've, they've got that option, but and a different owners, of course. So the owner, it might be the owner who makes the decision. But um, if I was Willie, if I haven't seen the way he won a Punchestown, I'd be inclined to give him another chance in another Grade One three miles over hurdles, just to prove that um, he can. That, that there was certainly no no fluke about that about that performance and the fact that he um, was I, so heavily supported on the day yeah clearly so it was obviously it was he was expected to um, put up a good performance he was yeah. back I think he was back right throughout the day wasn't he but 
as you say, touching upon other races early in the season, Brave Man's game, he'd be one you'd have penciled in um, for Kempton on Boxing Day, I would have thought. Whether he turns up this weekend or not, I think then there's the Rising Stars as an option for him at Wincant, another grade two in a few weeks' time early on. But I would imagine that it, the first half of his season would be geared around uh, winning the Feltham or Cotter Star, whichever you want to call it. Not the Cotter Star. Boxing Day. Let's, let's call it after the King, yeah. <laughs> the Cotter the Star. Um, Roy Delargy somewhere going, it's a Feltham for goodness sakes. But it's the, it's the Cotter Star, one of the goats. Uh, so yeah, obviously the Brave Man's game is is really interesting. I'm fascinated by Vanillier and the way odds compilers are treating this race, where you've got a couple of firms who are going only eights, and he's literally doubled that price with um, yeah. at least one. Um, and, and I completely agree with you about Punchestown as well. That for all the I would say that I would be stunned if Classical Dream goes over fences and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he has an impact over hurdles this season. I would tend to take the Punchestown form, certain bits of it, with a, a little bit of trepidation. I wouldn't be just jumping head first into the deep end on the basis of what a horse did at, at Punchestown, unless you're talking about like an Energamine-type performance. Um, yeah. But for a, a, a novice who did have a tough season, um, even the whole process of just traveling over to Cheltenham and having to win your race and then come back and go and compete at Punchestown, it can just be too much for some. So uh, Vanilla is very high on my list. and He's with the, with the right man too and Gavin Cromwell. So I'm very excited about him. And um, the RSA looks... The absolute or festival novices chase looks the absolute uh, right distance for him too. So I don't think they'll be messing around in terms of, of that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he'll be. He might come back in trip. Sometimes they do for um, the chase debut, don't they? I like that. To be honest, I like I like a three mile off the pace to be able to win over two and a half. Um, but I'm sure he'll be back up to three miles before soon, before yeah. long enough. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But when it comes to the to the day itself at the festival. It'll be yeah. It'll be three miles. Um, Bob Ollinger. Unless he's come. Yep. Um, go on. I was going to say unless the national and chase comes into the picture. Don't even. <laughs> don't don't even mess with my head like that. Uh, Bob Ollinger heads the betting for the marsh, uh, which makes sense yep. given his demolition job of the Ballymore novices hurdle last season. Uh, having spoken with Henry, is that the plan with him? In, in an ideal world, or is there a possibility that he's been completely underestimated and that they are looking at the Oracle themselves? Uh, well, it's nothing, nothing's been confirmed. He's, they've confirmed that he'll go chasing, but um, in terms of distance, for me, I, I think he's quick enough to go to the Oracle. Um, but for me, I think that two and a half mile trip is probably just about ideal for his novice campaign. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he went three as well, to be honest. I think he. He'd be like in the equivalent race in Ireland to my Drogo in England. I think, um, I think that that intermediate trip's probably just about perfect for him at the minute because he's, he's by no means he's he's not devoid of pace at all. So I don't think there's any there'd be any rush to go three miles with him. So I have my twenty to one bet then in James de Burley. Thanks very much. Appreciate that, Paul. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would if Bob Ollinger takes defenses and 
the way Henry de Bromhead improves horses from hurdling to chasing is staggering. If he does do that, and if he does live up to his expectations, then he's the one who, at four to one, is is going to be very very hard to stop. That being said, who appeals to you? Uh, again, there's nothing, no point talking too much about um, Bob Ollinger and Maya Drogo. Obviously, two high class. Um, they were two high class novice hurdles last year, and I expect both of them to be high class novice chasers this year. Again, we did see last year with a couple of the English horses, my Drogo being one that they skipped Cheltenham and um, waited for Aintree. Whether well, that's the case this year, again, time will tell. Um, just to pick pick something else out, really, avoiding the obvious. Um, Dusart is a horse who I can't wait to see again this season. And again, whether whether that's over fences or over hurdles, Nicky was non-committal um, when I when I spoke with him, and he it's it's. It's certainly, I think. I think the fact that he's only ever run twice um, in in his life kind of leans towards possibly he will reappear over over hurdles. But he's raced at 141 after them two runs. Um, his first start, if you remember, he he, he bolted up basically at Newbury, as so often Nicky's good horses do, um, and beaten Sword and Glory, who came out obviously later in the year and won the Betfair hurdle. Uh, there was plenty of other winners in behind that day. That was quite a strong race, um, and he won really well on his on his very first start. He was then off from the start of November to April, uh, when he was. I kind of got the impression he was slightly, maybe not rushed back for Inchy, but there was talk that um, it might have been Punches Town he waited for. But he, he did turn off at Inchy, and I think he went for the two mile race because it looked. A, a slightly easier option than taking on my Drogo over two and a half. Uh, and he just seemed to find everything happen a little bit too quickly for him. Um, two miles around the sharp track on good ground. He's a, he's an absolute huge horse. Dussart is obviously a half-brother to Simon Sig, but he's not as racy. And um, Jerry McGrath gives a good description of him in the book this year. But he's, not, he's, he's not really the same type. He's not as athletic as um, Simon Sig. He, he does look, he just looks like a three-mile chaser. Uh, so, if he does go over fences, I would expect him to go up half a mile, at least half a mile in trip. And I would expect just after having had them two starts, I think there could be masses of improvement from him. Um, and the fact that he was able to finish third in a grade one on his first start in five months and just his second race course appearance just speaks volumes about his natural ability. Beaten only two and a half lengths by a Cheltenham Festival winner. So... yeah. It's um, it's. I say, and I don't think condi- I don't think conditions suited them at all. I just think he was just getting. If you watch the race back, he, he just looked quite uncomfortable from an early stage. He was, he was either getting run off his feet, decent ground, sharp track, two miles around Dane Tree, talking like Belfast Panthers is, is a bridle horse. Really, he's a, he's a smooth smooth travelling horse who who conditions would have suited on that day. So. Um, I think Dusart once he gets probably a bit of, bit of softer ground, longer trip. Um, I say he might he might reappear in a in an intermediate sort of handicap hurdle off one four one. I think this I think he is definitely a Grade One also. I think unless experience catches him out, I think he'd be capable of winning a handicap hurdle off that mark, even if he's pitched into something quite deep early on. Um, but yeah, I think he I think he'll develop into a top class chaser. Yeah, you'd be surprised if he if he didn't. And you'd be surprised if he didn't win a Grade One uh, to have done. Yeah, what... I'd see. 
see for me like he's six ten and seven I'd be wanting to be going chasing him but I do understand that connections will be a bit concerned that he's only had it's not just the two hurdle runs it's just two runs in his life he never never yeah. ran the point to point never ran a bumper um, so it's just a little bit of race course experience lacking there so um, I'm sure that'll be factored in but I'm sure Nicky Henderson will make the right decision and he'll be um, placed accordingly but he's, he's definitely awesome I'm looking forward to this season the only warning bell that gets sounded for me is that he's as you're saying he's six turning seven so yeah you, you would like to see him go chasing but at the same time having been so impressive in November he then doesn't race until April and he's only had two starts in his life he's clearly had issues I uh, you know what I, I think I think this year's well like the past 18 months or so slightly different I think he was he didn't make his debut until he was five looking at him I've, I've only seen him in the flesh um, once but looking at him I'd imagine that he, he probably took a took a while to fill and he, maybe he wasn't a bump horse but it could have been that he would have been ready to run the bump at the spring before but there was no racing then so there's a lot of horses who missed that spring of 2020 when they would have they would have run in the bumper so I don't know I wouldn't hold that against him and then he had an he had a nasty incident in the stable block um which was what the issue was it wasn't an injury it was it was he, he, he had some sort of accident at seven barrows so um I wouldn't be too concerned on, on like like you're saying there that he might be difficult to train or anything I think it's just circumstances have transpired against him I think there's a lot of horses that didn't get to run in spring of last year 2020 with obviously with the coronavirus that um, that would have run him he might well have been one that ran in a bumper at the end of that season so he was making his debut slightly later last November and then obviously unforeseen foot circumstances he, he suffers um, an accidental injury uh, at home so I say it's not I don't think it's 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 anything to be too concerned about going forward or expect him to be seen more frequently now going forward as long as things could continue to go back to normal in the world. Well, yeah, I, I think we're in the new normal, mate. I, I don't think this thing is over at all, uh, says the fellow with COVID. You know those, you know when you walk into a a, a, a gentleman's lavatory, uh, you walk into a bathroom at a race course or anywhere and there's those yellow signs that say caution, slippery surface. At, well, at Nicky's, it's caution, brandy spillage, which may very well be inducer slipped up or had some kind of an injury. Um, good old Nicky, we love you, and uh, we'll get you back on the show soon enough. Um, but no, he's a seriously talented racehorse to have done what he's done on the back of only two starts in his entire career is um, is something else because. A lot of new listeners to the show, and if you're a flat fan, um, coming in hot to the jump season, if you're if you haven't come through the point to point graduate system or raced in France where they start them out very very young, um, or you haven't even run a bumper, then to be able to go and and do what he's done, um, particularly over a trip that wouldn't have suited. Uh, at a massive festival like Aintree in a Grade One is is saying an awful lot. So, um, yeah, I I completely agree with you about my Drogo, and um, hopefully the brandy will be kept away from him. Uh, Bob Ollinger obviously is the the one that stands out, but um, it's going to be a really interesting race. Uh, James de Burley is is in my mind. 
definitely. But I do want to see something from him this season. I want to look the second that Punchestown was great, but as you said, he was staying on past beaten horses and was almost ridden that way. So I would like to see him bolt up over fences. But I think you're you're probably right that the intermediate trip is going to be the, the right distance for him. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him start off over two one at Navan. That's stiff two one what like There's I don't know really like great to show. those races there, but um I'd I'd see him come back in trip and then maybe um step up to two and a half. Two and a half for Christmas, you'd probably be looking at Limerick, wouldn't you, for the, the grade one. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. What about the um the legend that is the boss's Oscar? He's already run over fence, isn't he? Yep. And got beaten uh, at the the Kerry Grand National meeting. Yeah, he did. To be honest, I, I I watched that on a very small screen. I was at Perth that day, so I haven't watched it back yet since. But Justin um, Bustleton, was it decent horse last year? Obviously, um, I know he's been beaten since uh, recently at Tipperary, but... Um, I'd have to I'd have to scrutinise that performance a little bit more. Sorry before I uh, before before I hung my hat on him, but I I thought he I thought he'd make up into a into a decent chase. Yeah, he's got the, the right profile. He looks off the build. Um, we're staying chaser. Didn't do much wrong last year. Obviously ran a ran a blinder um, in the Potemps final. That was off a mark of what one fifty one, I think, mm. wasn't it? So he's talking about how he's a high-class hurdler. Um, and he hasn't got too much mileage on the clock. I don't think he's got nope. too many. We've got the nine runs over hurdles now. I'd expect him to I'd still expect him to make his mark over fences this year. Well, I don't know whether he's a great one-off or, or top-end handicapper, but um, I'd still expect him to win races over fences. Do you think that he's a horse who would be better suited to an RSA, uh, not quite four-miler because we don't want to call it that anymore, say the BHA, uh, so we'll call it the three-mile six slash three-mile two slash no amateurs allowed competing it ever again due to COVID rules. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what we'll go for. Um, what kind of distance do you think would be ideal for him? Like, is the Festival Novices Chase in your mind for him or the, or the four-miler? Uh, yeah, I think three miles will suit him. I think he's just proved that, didn't he? In the Potemps final, three miles is fine for him. But um, just whether he'd have the class, talking about some of them horses we were talking about who were going there, whether he'd have their class to be um, winning that grade one, or I'd be unsure. So it might end up that he does end up down the, the National Hunt route, you know, he, uh, the National Hunt chase route. Um, to race the Gordon has a fantastic record in. Um, this time last year, obviously. Galvin, Galvin looked like a likely candidate for him, but you had the question his stamina at that point. Um, until he came over, he, I think he won. Did he went to the October meeting at Cheltenham, didn't he, for the first time up in trip? So, yep. um, yeah, I, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all if he ended up in that race. I wouldn't. I'd just have slight doubt whether he'd have the class to win um, the festival, not a chase or the former RSA personally. Interesting piece of information, by the way. Galvin has gone back to Gordon. Yep, so, sure so because of the ban, he was transferred to Mr. Ferguson, who was the man who uh, trained him in the early stages of his career. I think he he broke him in, and um, yeah, he used to have Simon Sig as well, who we were talking about earlier. That's right, yeah, who carried the same colours, yeah. and yep. um, 
so Mr. Ferguson, instead of leaving the horse with Denise Foster, he was moved to Mr. Ferguson. Ferguson wins the race at, at Cheltenham. Uh, thank you very much, by the way. And um, he's gone back to Gordon. So uh, that's that's good news for Gordon. And hopefully bodes well for him, too, because I think we all need to just move on now. Um, you know, he served his, his punishment. He served his time. So let's, let's just get on with it, shall we? Uh, Jumpers to Follow is available at weatherbeesshop.co.uk. Um, Jumpers to Follow 2021-2022. Hard to believe that we're heading into 2022. Dear God. So you can get the book. If you want the hard copy edition, you can get the digital edition. That's what's in front of me right now on the iPad uh, and on the MacBook. Uh, you can also have the bundle. And not only that, there's also Paul Ferguson's Jumpers to Follow 2021-2022 online updates. Explain that to me. Uh, they're just a week, pretty much a weekly um, update that I send out, uh, touching upon the horse from the book, mainly the leading prospects um, and any others of interest who could be running that week. Eye catches who've caught my eye in races from the previous week or be it in racing or paddock side or if I visit the yard, things like that. So, um, a bit of a diary from myself throughout the season. More like essential insight, I think. Let's <laughs> talk about the championship divisions. So we'll go for the champion hurdle. One of my favorite races of the season. Honeysuckle was brilliant in it last year. Uh, there's been big noises from Seven Barrows about Epitant and Nikki thinking that she can bounce back. Uh, you look at the market, Bob Allinger chasing. Appreciate it. We think chasing. Um, Fernie Hollow, Echoes and Rains, horse I absolutely love. Uh, and then, eh, um, what do you make of the champion hurdle this year? Yeah, it's pretty thin on the ground. Again, I think this is probably a, a weak enough division at this stage, I'd say. Uh, I think Honeysuckle is a worthy favourite, obviously, not telling people anything and that they don't know already there, but um, she beats. Epitant on Charger, um, comfortably, as you say, and despite not being at her best, uh, confirm the form of Punchestown. I had to struggle to see out where you'd make a real strong case for either of those 10 in the form. I don't know. Um, talking about back issue with Epitant, and I, I, would, I would agree that I think she she's probably should have finished a little bit closer at Cheltenham. I think she was a little bit further back um, than ideal at certain points of the race, but. Uh, I'd struggle to make a case for either of those turning in the form around. Like you say, Bob Allinger appreciates it. Surely go chase. Perhaps Fernie Holler does too. Um, Patrick in his comments in the book kind of leaning that he, he looks like a, a chase. He doesn't look like a champion at loss, but he probably would have said the same about um, Faheen at the time after mm -hmm. his novice hurdle season. Again, he's only had the one run. And the one run thing, I don't think is as much an issue with him as the two runs is with Dussard in that. Fairly hollow had point to point experience and he ran in, um, I think it was four bumpers. So he's got race course experience elsewhere, you know. So, I would, and Willie did send an Ergamine chasing last year on the back of just one hurdle. And so I wouldn't be, yeah. um, I wouldn't be too concerned on that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up um, chasing as well. A case of, I'm sure it's a case of uh, Willie shuffling his pack uh, further down again, like he's. he's struggling I, one, one I picked out who I thought I was just trying to think of a couple of things from left field that could make an impact 
Uh, French Seal, I thought, was mightily impressive last year. Obviously, he, you've got the, that, the record of five-year-olds to overcome if you're talking about him becoming a champion hurdle contender. But um, he won by, what, I think it was 22 lengths, I think maybe, if I remember rightly, at Christmas when he was still trained by Elmerie Holden. Um, and I also finished runner-up that day, uh, Colts, so that's actually a fair um, dual-purpose performer. He obviously, he went on and finished. He won a major. In and he finished fifth in the Fred Winter, and then he won a handicap on the flat off eighty three at the Galway Festival. So um, it wasn't it wasn't just a weak enough three year old maiden hurdle that he won. He, he he just absolutely bolted up. Which sometimes you see us win first time out and think it could be something special. I thought that with him. Obviously, um, Joe Donnelly bought him on the back of that, but then he was forced to miss the Spring Juvenile hurdle and the rest of the season, so we didn't get to see him again. He lacked experience, but the but the option with him, he's, he's got the four-year-old races to go for. I think there's the Fishery Lane. Um, and there's a race at Limerick over Christmas, I think. I wrote in the book that there's, there's graded races for four-year-olds only in the first half of the season. So he'd have that kind of option. And even the, the WKD hurdle, if he if he was ready soon enough for um, Down Royal, that would be an option for him. Um, but the, domestically, like, Epitant's the only the only British trained horse shorter than twenty five to one in the markets. Like at the minute, champion hurdle, um, which it's like Mon Morale comes next. I love Mon Morale, but I don't think he's a champion hurdle horse. Whether he stays over hurdles or not, I'd, if he did, I'd I'd be personally I'd be going to old toy with him for the championship four year old race. If I had anything to do with him, that'd be the, the route I'd go with him, um, or send him straight over fences. And you're just you're struggling for anything in behind. So something could easily come out and win, win a handicap in in England and then put themselves in the picture as not necessarily being a contender to win the champion medal, but also deserves to be talked about and feature in the other great ones. Ollie Murphy's talking about Coppolis. If he if he was to come out and win, he'd consider the fight in fifth room. And why not? Like he's raised 141 now. If he came out and won. Um, the Welsh champion hurdle or the Great Wood, for example. If he won well, you're talking he's raised at 150 then. So he's, he's going to be going down the likes of the fighting fifth or the uh, or the Christmas hurdle route. So he's 66 to one at the minute. French Seals 50 to one. I was just kind of looking at things that horses that might have the uh, mileage to contract a little bit. But I say at the top end of the market, I think it's it's a fairly thin enough division, and I think Honeysuckle is very much the one to beat. Because of the fact that it's such a thin division, I have a bet that I'm reasonably confident about, and it's a mare. And it's echoes and rain. rain on it. It's echoes and rain. Yeah, and her form is absolutely rock solid. Like she's she's only five, so she'll be six by the time the Cheltenham Festival comes along. Um, they got busy with her from December onwards. She bolted up by 15 lengths. She then was disappointing in a strange race at Punchestown. I think it's fair to say behind the real deal. She just went off too hard that day, they didn't she? Just, I think if I remember rightly, and she raced too freely. And her improvements kind of coincided with um, a change of tactics. She was dropped right out, wasn't she? Yep. And, um, I mean, she t- she I still that. she still took a keen hold, if I remember it, at Nace. But she smashes yeah, she up did. Belfast Banter, who goes and wins the county and then a grade one at Aintree. She smashed MCL. And, and when I say that, she's won that race by eight lengths. It's not like she's won by two lengths. She smashed up. 
she's absolutely destroyed Belfast Manager. She's destroyed MC Muldoon, Muldoon, who's gone to Royal Ascot and finished second in the Ascot Stakes. And then she's a comfortable, very comfortable winner at, at Punchestown. So I don't see... Like, she's not going to go up and trip. She's not going to go for the Mare's Hurdle. There's really only one race for her to go for, and that is the champion hurdle. And assuming that she takes to the track, which you just have to take on trust, then 14s is the standout price. Yeah, Honeysuckle may very well go and bolt up again, and I I would agree with you that she's the, the standout horse, but of everything else, I can't imagine that Henry's going to run Bob Ollinger. Um, makes sense. We've already discussed that. Makes sense that he goes chasing. Nothing else uh, appreciated goes chasing, we think. Nothing else really stands out. So Echoes and Rain at 14s. Thanks very much. Are you waiting for my input on Echoes and Rain? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, I'd, I'd still want to see her go and do I think she's got a big, I think she's got a bit of a, Step to take. All right, I take what you're saying that the, the form's strong. And obviously, MC Muldoon's favourite for the Cesarowitz this weekend. Mm. Probably the best flat race of the season is Cesarowitz. <laughs> and um, I love the way you say the, one of the longest races of the season. Not one of the, the flat. longest, the best. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the Ascot Stakes is the best race of Royal Ascot. <laughs> <laughs> Screw your guineas. <laughs> but, Screw your derby. Yeah, yeah. It's the Ascot Stakes. <laughs> And this is it's about. <laughs> uh, Belfast Banter, he, he was also, I got rather hands up like I got, I got him wrong earlier in the season. Um, I remember talking to Jess before he was taking on buzz in one of them handicap hurdles at Ascot and I said, uh, she, uh, she was a bit concerned about him and I, I said, no, he's a bridal horse, doesn't really find much and ends up winning the county hurdle on a grade one and entry. So hands up, I got him wrong. So there's a strong piece of form. As you say, MC Muldoon. I just wonder if the race is kind of fell in a lap a little bit last year that that grade one at Punches Town was as weak a grade one novice as I can remember at Wonder Spring Festival so that is true I, I just I'd, I'd want to see I'd personally I'd want to see her come out and do it again as a foot around 14 to 1 which she might do again she, she'd she have that down royal race as a possibility the WKD for second season hurdlers no really doesn't own me often ready that early but he might do because he's got that much strength and depth he's probably going to need to separate them somewhere like so yeah I'd, I'd, I'd like to see her do it an open company outside the novice company before being convinced personally okay I I, I understand I, I get it I mean I completely disagree with you and uh, we'll go to war and I'll throw it in your face when she goes and bolts up in the champion hurdle and uh, go, yeah, I'll, go, take, it. I'll and, take it. And go extremely quiet when she's a no-show, um, and <laughs> trails out the back of the telly, falls out the back of the telly in the race. But now I, I like her. I think she can make the step up, and I think physically, I would expect her to develop as well from from last season. Um, I just I think she's a horse that might have taken them a little bit by surprise last season, and they realise now how good she is. So we'll see. Um, but. Uh, very much value your opinion and um, if you're nervous then I'll I'll half my stake on her uh, it'll it'll just be five grand to win her to win on the champion hurdle instead of ten boom boom don't worry bank manager we're not that nuts um, we didn't get it in the Oracle but we might get it in the champion chase Shishkin versus Energamine 
with Shakan Porsoir. And there's, I watched this race back again today. I'm still trying to figure out how the hell did Shakan Porsoir get beaten at the Champion Jays? Anyway, are they the two to focus on, Shishkin and um, Ergamin? And if they are the two, is Ergamin just way too big a price on the basis of the fact that he just didn't turn up at Cheltenham? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's a that's a fair assessment. I was I was in the Shishkin camp last year. And, um, you were very confident about it too for a long time. I was, yeah, but. It, I was a lot less confident as, as we got close to Cheltenham when it looked like they were going head to head after one and I mean, I'd done throughout the season. So, um, yeah, I, was, I, I had a small bet last year that she's going to win the Arkle last year and he'd win the Champion Chase this year. So he, he's, I'm certainly still in his camp for the minute. But at, at those prices, I don't think he, you don't think he should be seven to four against five to one personally. I think just, just a little bit too much of a disparity between the two of them in the market. Um, He's got, to, he's got to step up against Shishkin and um, say, I don't, I don't think it was the, with an ergamine, I, mean, I don't think it was the strongest two-mile novice division last year, but he could beat all, only what was in front of him. And I, I, don't, I think it'd be hard to judge him too much on um, his aim to run. Um, again, like, you'll hear trainers say, you, you don't really know how much impact Cheltenham has on them until they go out and run again. Say they can feel like the horses are well at home and things, but, I think there was only um the novice chase, obviously Shishkin and Chantry House both uh, one for Nicky at, at both meetings, but he I'd say he was a he was a little bit below his below his best that entry. And he's probably better judged on earlier form, but um the likes of the, even though those races worked out, the likes of beating Tamarack the Matan and all mankind in behind obviously in the article, a couple of graded winners. I, st- I still think he's got a little bit to step up on, but um Obviously, that's what that's what can happen as he goes outside the novice company for the first time. There's one commodity that is worth more than anything in racing, and it's potential. Yeah, of course, yeah. Which is why Shishkin is the price he is, and it's why Ergamine is the price he is. It is, yeah. And sometimes a lot of a lot of people will tell you never back potential over proven form, but I think last year's. Champion Chase Division, no disrespect at all to um, put the kettle on. Um, last year's Champion Chase probably wasn't as strong as this year's will be if everyone turns up. And I don't think Shaq and Porsoir, either he didn't act on the track, but I think it's I think it's a bit too early to say that. A lot of people were um, using that against him as a stick to beat him with beforehand that he, he'd never been, never been to the track. But he didn't seem to have a problem coming up the hill at Leopardstown. I don't know. It's a pretty stiff finish there. So, Very. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was ridden a bit different. I assume when he gets there in March, you know, come on, he'd, he'd be ridden a little bit differently and just allowed to bowl along a bit more. But that's something that will be factored in this year, I think, because um, obviously an I mean, could go back up and trip as a possibility, but I don't see any reason why he'd want to. He obviously won his chase debut at two and a half, but he was back at two. And the way he was winning, the way he won the Irish Arkle, and the way he won the punch down, I don't see any reason why he would want to go beyond two miles at this point. Um but both horses like to get on with it and like to press on. So when they do clash, not only is it going to give Paul Town a headache beforehand of which one he rides, but I'm sure. But um, I'm sure tactically, it would probably not. It wouldn't be the best situation for the for the stable to have the two of them gunning each other. But the, but that's the way they both go about the business. So um, that'll be that'll be an in- interesting factor when they do finally come head to head. And with that in mind, 
wouldn't be surprised if Willie sent one of them over for the single creek. Um, so you might actually get the clash with Shishkin earlier than we uh, oh, earlier than we right. envisaged. I hope it's Shakan who comes over for the single creek. I really do. I hope that he comes over because I know how much Rich Richie loves Sandown, and um, yeah. I don't think Willie would want to put the put too much pressure on an Ergamine that quickly whereas Shekhan Porso was a much more experienced horse uh, but yeah, it's possible that's so that's only me surmising that I'd, I would want it if I was Willie I'd, I know Willie doesn't he does not mind horses clashing we know that he he's got that much strength and depth that it that it's it's a necessity at times for him in grade one races that his better horses have to run against each other because there's nowhere else for them to go but in the the, the case of those two horses surely if they run against each other and are allowed to run the race from the front they would come probably compromise each other or one would compromise the other so I would love to keep them apart as long as possible and then worry about it at Cheltenham if they, if they both get their sound and well you know yeah I, I'd see an Ergamine turning up in the the good two mile race at Cork or um, yeah Navin Nace um, you know, running there and Shakan heading to, to the UK it makes sense but with put the kettle on we are talking about a horse who's got a devastatingly impressive Cheltenham Festival record and she's the Oracle and Champion Chase winner and I just wonder if 14s is a yeah, total insult yeah probably she's to be fair she's one of them horses who probably gets underestimated she probably has been and I'd be I'd be guilty of it myself to be fair like I'd, I'd say she's probably been underestimated throughout her throughout her career it's unusual you see it um a horse who was beaten in handicap hurdle off 111 winner champion chase, isn't it? Yeah. But um, but such such a, and she you know like you say she loves the old course Cheltenham. She's four from four at the track. She won she won the novice chase there. She won the slayer chase there last year. First time out. Could be that she goes back there um, as another option. Um, obviously she was non runner on Saturday, I believe due to the ground. It was um, so. She's she's clearly ready to go and and start again. I just I just think that this year um, she just could have a little bit more on her plate. Mm. But again, you say you're you're in danger of just overlooking it. Newt Negra again as well. Probably he's probably the one out of the um, the proven horses, the, the established horses. Or what he was probably slightly overpriced because he ran a blind and was was only a whisker away from winning last year. If, if the cards dealt differently after the last, I think. Um, it might have been different, I and mean, he was probably just over the top of Punchstown. He's a horse who, who clearly needs to be best fresh, but he's he still only had seven chase starts in his life. So he, you could see him going back to Kempton, maybe where he beat Altio last year in the desert. Over it could be that he takes on Shishkin there this year. So, um, yeah, I think I just think there's more depth to the division this year, and I think it'll be a, a deeper race. I'd love to see Shishkin um, step forward. And become the next two mile star in England. Uh, and I hope he does. But you say just looking at those prices, I wouldn't have as much between them. I wouldn't have them seven to four and five to one like the bookmakers. And I think they've both got equal amounts of potential in them. And Anagamine was a couple of times last year was frighteningly good. Oh, God. He's put up some stunning performances. Um, so, no, I'm. I'm very, very excited about that race. I felt it was appropriate to pay proper respect to 
put the kettle on because who knows? I mean, maybe she could go and get the job done, but um, we'll we'll have to wait and see with her. Uh, Duke de Geneva, a former Oracle winner, uh, is now in the care of Tom George for Sullivan Bloodstock and uh, bolted up in France last time out. So maybe he'll come back to form, put straight face back on, and uh, keeps going as Kate Tracy throws a shoe at the speaker. Uh, the <laughs> the Ryanair. This is surely the race for Alaho, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I see. I think that was one thing I got right at the start of last season. Not that I not that I backed it up. I kind of went. I think when we done the season preview. I was all over that he should be two mile four, two mile five, ridden positively from the front. Yeah, um, and I weirdly kind of went went off him throughout the season for some reason. Um, but yeah, I think that that's the ideal conditions for him. I thought the year before, it's you say I know Chivley Park probably or Willie either or one of them wanted to make him into a stay, and the fact that he finished um, placed in the he finished placed in the Albert Barlas and in the RSA as a he was only he was only a six year old then wasn't he? he was only a five year old I think when he was in the Albert Barley yeah, so, um the fact that he's he was placed in both those races would suggest that he, he shouldn't have a problem staying but his his style of racing just suggests that he should be allowed to bowl along as he was in the, the Ryanair and that was just it was almost a um a performance that was too good to be true but it, it was just it was, it was a fantastic performance. I think he will be campaigned over this trip because I think they tested the water against Shaq and Bourgeois. Again, he might have been slightly over the top, but um, I don't think from when I interviewed Richard Thompson um, for the book, I didn't get the impression that they'd be keen to be going against the, against the proper two-miler again. So I think he'll be sticking to the intermediate trip. I think that was more to do with Willie's hunger to win the champion chase. It's quite a strange thing to say, but Willie's never won it. Um, yeah, but he's got an Aragamine, so he, he and he has Shaq and Porsois as well, so he has talent for it. And you don't need to sacrifice a race like this, no. which clearly Alaho is going to be absolutely suited to, uh, to go and and throw something else in there. And I, uh, there's not really anything else that that particularly stands out to me. So I'm um, I'm quite keen to just kick on, quite frankly, because I think the yeah. Nine to two about Alaho for the Ryanair is thank you very much. Um, we we can dream and dream big. Um, classical dream is second favorite. Jesus Christ for the stairs hurdle. Uh, Time Hill obviously heads the betting at uh, fives. Uh, then Galpin de Champ, who was earlier mentioned by Paul, and uh, last year's winner, Flooring Porter, completely disrespected in the market at 12s as uh, his win is being uh, showcased. Uh, Danny Mullins, first winner at the Cheltenham Festival. So absolutely buzzing for the guy. Um, but uh, yeah, 12s for the defending champion as some odds compilers are clearly just going, eh, he fluked that. Um, what's your thoughts on the stairs? Uh, probably, Mark, it's probably just about right. So the thoughts, Time Hill was um, bounce back having been forced to miss Cheltenham so he, he, his victory uh, at Aintree could possibly be marked up a little bit because he might have been whether he was rushed back slightly or quite at his 100% uh, but still managed to win so yeah, I think there's still 
scope for further improvement for him over three miles. He obviously had the earlier battles with Paisley Park throughout last season. So um, he's got age on his side against Paisley Park this year when they go head to head. So I'd expect him to uh, win a race or two along the way and probably probably just be about the uh, leading English hope um, as the season unfolds. Uh, it's, it's not the division really that excites me at the minute. Like you've got, again, we don't know with Classical Dream and Galapan de Champs, that'll be key. Mm. Um, Foreign Port is another horse who, again, I was probably um, guilty of being a little bit dismissive of before the festival um, in, in terms of I thought he'd struggle to make all, but um, won last year's race under a fantastic ride. So again, um, he'll be back. Again, I was just looking, trying to, think of something a little bit from left field um, I, and often we see uh, two milers going up in trip as he, as he gets slightly older and making an impact in this division Aspire Tower was one that I thought might be worth trying over a longer trip I don't know what price he is he's probably further down the list he might even be priced up actually because he hasn't um, been, still he's been trying to be on two yet but um, I would imagine that he'll be tried over two mile, two and a half miles 40 to like one there you go. Something like the Liz Mullen hurdle early on might be might be something um, for Aspire Tower. I think he's still only he's still only a young horse. He's still only five, so mm. um, again, he's got plenty of time on the side. And if he again, if he if he was to go come out and win over two and a half miles or run well over two and a half miles, probably have the option of running a three mile Christmas hurdle. Um, so we don't know for definitely stay, but over the years we've seen these decent two mile hurdlers hunted out the back and then turned into stayers. Again, classical dream of being a would be an example of Punchestown. So, um, he he just be one I'd be, I'd be interested in, but I wouldn't have a, I've got a strong view on the division at this stage. Yeah, neither do I. To be honest with you, it's a, if I did, if I was going to advise a bet, it would be Florian Porter to defend his crown. Um, but the thing there is, is he going to be given as easy and a lead again this year as he was last? You have to seriously ask that question. Um, and just to go back to the champion chase, Nico de Boinville was on the show paying tribute to Altior and the incredible career that he had. And when I asked him at the end of the show, who is he most looking forward to? i got to ask you just for one horse. Who are you most looking forward to riding this season? He goes, oh, Shishkin. I think he's going to win the champion chase. I'm like, let's, let's go! Yet another replacement you've got a, a replace instant replacement for sprinter sacker and altior you've got an instant replacement for altior and, and shishkin that's big talk obviously and i'm putting words in his mouth there but how cool would it be if that was the the case and richard johnson who i interviewed when he retired and he was saying there was a part of him that it really hurt him to be sitting at home watching aintree and see time he'll win that if he just held on for a week Hell mad tough and and gone, um, but he just, they just had a slight doubt in the back of their mind. So with Time Hill, you can upgrade that performance at Cheltenham, basically. Um, but it's it's a it's a race that I struggle to often anti post. I struggle to get involved in, and the only the only horse that would have any interest for me right now is Flooring Porter, but. Is he going to get the advantageous conditions that he did last year? I'm not so sure. So the blue ribbon of racing, the Gold Cup, and the defending champion, 
Manila Indo. I'm not stealing this from you. Do you want to just tell our final Furlong Podcast army where the Gold Cup champion will be starting his career this season? Um, I, th- I think he goes. Doesn't he go? So he goes to Down Royal, doesn't he? I think. And then that's what's been said. Uh, and then I don't. I think he will go for the Irish Gold Cup again. Um, back to Cheltenham. Whether he runs at Christmas, I don't know, he might. It, Henry might run both run, but I'd imagine a Plutard will run at Leopardstown over Christmas because he needs to go left-handed. So he reportedly travels to Haydock for the Betfair Chase at Plutard, that is. Mm-hmm. And then I assume we'll go to Leopardstown. So it might be that the two of them run there and then one of them goes for the Gold Cup because I think Appletard is um, best fresh. So I think he I think he only might have the two starts beforehand, whereas uh, Anello and Doe seems to take his race and well last year. Again, like this time last year, I think he, he was one we were interested in in the season preview. And again, almost like Alaho kind of fell away from it throughout the year. Um, much to my annoyance, but he, he was a, he was a worthy winner of the Gold Cup on the day. And I think that's the strongest form on offer. Um, as you already touched upon, Monkfish is out for the season, sadly. So um, we can touch on last season's novices in a minute, but they've definitely got a bridge to gap to get up to get up to the standard of um, Manila Indo and Aplutard, in my opinion. A year, so a Plutard hitting the way you've described how Manila Indo's campaign starts. That's that's very interesting. A Plutard heading to Haydock for the Betfair Chase, but then obviously not going for the King George because, as you said, he goes best left-handed, so he'll go for the Lexus. Um, and it was kind of there where things fell apart from Manilindo, so that's why I went off him. And it was sort of a sense of, oh, well, why didn't I keep the faith? But again, benefit of hindsight is a fantastic thing. Uh, you're yeah, 100% right. He was He was a very worthy winner on the day, but I do remember thinking... God, if a Plutard if a Plutard strengthens up, he's going to have a huge chance in the Gold Cup next season. And the ten to one about him for a horse who's going to run in the Betfair Chase really interests me. Yeah, is he younger? Isn't he? But he's had he's had more experience. Obviously, he was he was sent chasing early on in his career, four, ten, and five. He won the Novice Handicap, didn't he? So he's he's had three more starts. So. Um, where where they are in their careers in terms of what scope for progression maybe left remains to be seen. I actually thought until I watched it again the other day, I remember thinking that Manella and they just saw out that it's it's hard to say a Plutard didn't stay because he's beaten a dual gold cup winner and beaten the rest of the field easily. But um I just thought those five final hundred yards were like Manella and was coming into his even coming into his own and just saw out. Um so but then watching the back, um, he's certainly not stopping a Plutard and he's going back for more. So, um, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. It's difficult. Statistics say it's difficult to be beaten in the Gold Cup and then, and then come go back. on to win the race. But um, but look, I say that that's the outstanding piece of form. Um, and I think that's the, the to be shot. I think a Plutard probably, unless the, unless the ground is desperate, um, maybe that has an impact on him. I'd like to think that he'd probably be good enough to come and win the best fair chase of Haydock. Um, they say he's completely unexposed to the trip. He's he only had the two starts. He won the, he won the Lexus when he came um, from the clouds last year. So, yeah, another saddles chase as it is. Sorry, now. 
um, to no, be no, Ken no, Boy. No. Lexus. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think the two of them, um, are like we we could talk about some of the last year's novices, Chantry Alcidos, that I've spoken about on the show numerous times. Um, he's also I've got plenty of time for, but not sure whether his, his form and titles to be as short as he is in the in the market for both the King George and the the Gold Cup at this stage. It's connections, um, isn't it? It's he's JP yeah. and and he's Nicky Henderson and uh, Nico is probably going to be on board, and so because of that, yeah, I completely understand why he's the price he is. Yeah, three mile two, okay. three miles two and a half around Cheltenham. Is that what he really wants, though? He looked, like, he looked like for all last season, he looked like he was, well, certainly in the marsh, he looked like he was crying out for the three miles, which he got for the first time at Aintree. Um, but again, I, th- I think it'd be a little bit harsh um, on the horse to judge him solely on the form of uh, last spring, because I know he had a setback after he was beaten at Cheltenham in December, he had some sort of setback on us, and they had to rush into get a run into him at Weatherby before Cheltenham um, and then he obviously went and won, won the, the marsh when he looked like he wanted the longer trip which he did but again he, he's come out and he's won at Cheltenham and Aintree like, like Shishkin has but um, that race was far from over when Espo the Romney came down two out so uh, you look at the, the King George betting if you uh, I think Chantry House is about 10s and Espo the Romney is about 40s or, or maybe the Gold Cup betting sorry but if you like one, you should. There's not, there wasn't really going to be much between them, and the two of them were trying to trip for the first time, so it was a bit of an unknown again. See, I just like, I just kind of like um, Echoes and Ray, and I'd like to see Chantry House come out in Novice Company and do um, step up again on what he's shown because I think that 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 entry race really was a little bit funny, and I think those in behind didn't didn't run to form. So, um, and the Cheltenham the, the race literal was, result. was bizarre. Because yeah, again, yeah. So obviously, Envoy Allen, we haven't even touched on yet. So no, and, and this is one of the things that has come out from the the few interviews that Gordon Elliott has done. And, and by the way, I think he's been doing the right thing in that he's just kept his head down and just got on with it. But in the few interviews that he has given, he he says like he still has nightmares about Envoy Allen and the fact that that he lost him. Um, and to be fair to Henry de Bromhead. And to Rachel Blackmore, it was very difficult on them and and Jack Kennedy to have this horse thrust upon them, where the prep- preparation that they would normally use for a Gold Cup is, uh, or for a, a major novice race at Cheltenham, but for a Gold Cup this season, um, you know, they'll now have had the summer to he'll have been at Chili Park and he'll come back. Um, and they can now work on him and do things their own way with him. But everything that I heard was that he found it really difficult to settle into Henry's. And that will be much easier when you have a whole season to do it. it yeah, you'd imagine. So you'd probably um, think it was something we touched upon in Cheltenham previews, done with yourself and the other Cheltenham previews I've done this year. It was, it was a major top, topic of discussion, obviously. But, and, and, the experts, obviously, the trainers and jockeys that know a lot more than I would, but I would be of the opinion that every horse is different. And I think Envoy Allen has been described as a nervous horse at times. I know on track he looks uncomplicated, um, but I think he he's been described as a horse who likes his routine and things. So maybe maybe that maybe that was um, something, but he, he didn't see himself before the race. I know people have said, and then 
he obviously came down early and then he was injured when he was pulled up a bunch of stands. So hopefully he can leave all that behind. It's conceivable that he could he goes down real for the two and a half mile um grade two, I think it is for second season novices. It's conceivable to, to think that he could come out and win easily there, put himself right back in the picture, and Henry will end up having the what other top three in the betting for the Gold Cup. We still don't know with Envoy Allen or what, what trip he really wants because he um we said it throughout last season and he, even in his hurdles campaign, he looked to me he looked to win his Ballymore by the turn of foot. I know he stayed up, but he showed a good turn of foot at the bottom of the hill. Last year, he then three wins early season on the first half of the season. He seemed to do everything in his comfort zone and within himself. He never, he's never a horse that's ever going to extend away and win. So he's, he's still quite hard to gauge. Like he, everyone knows, like he looks a top top class horse. Um, but you're going to find out more about him now. He goes into open company and more about what trip he wants. He's yet to finish a race. That that race of punch down the first time. Um, in his life that he'd been tested over three miles even when he won his point to point it was two and a half um, and he's just got that exuberant way of going whether he will want two, three mile two at Cheltenham come next spring um, but he might come back a more relaxed horse he might sort of settle down he might you know so he might so again we'll learn more throughout the season I'd expect them to he'll come out probably win a down royal and then I think connections are going to have to test them over three miles at some point Um Otherwise, he's going to be left in a quandary. So it could be that he ends up going. Possible, maybe he could go to Kempton for the King George. Yeah, I was actually just thinking that. I wonder. I wonder does um the, the, the way they do this. Have, does, it? it's, it's a very it's a champagne problem for for Henry. But do you run a Plutard in in the Bedford Chase, and then do you take? Envoy Alan and take him to the King George. Um, Possible. I, I don't see why not, but you you kind of have to prove it a little bit beforehand. Like, as you said, what do you yeah, do? Yeah, are, are you are you starting out at Down Royal over two and a half? Are you going for the John Durkin? Like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, I think he's Henry's come out and said he's going he's going to Down Royal. It makes sense. Second season race, he won over course and distance on his chase debut last year when we were all waxing lyrical about him. Mm. Um, it's the obvious race to go. The good thing for me is that the fact that he's that they're talking about running a down royal suggests that he's well over the issue, whatever it was. And I know um, Richard said in the interview with me that he had an, a minor operation um, and he recovered well. But the fact that he's been penciled into run at the end of the month, three weeks time, four weeks time, whatever it is, suggests that there's been no hiccups then since he's come back in. Because um, and that's good to see. You want to see him. Hopefully, he comes out and wins, and then. Um, he can start building back up. I seen it's funny. I, I set a Twitter competition last night for a, for a signed copy of the book off Harry Skelton, asking people to nominate their horse. And um, someone replied, "Envoy Allen to silence the doubters." It's, it's crazy to think that he has been doubted just on the back of the, what happened to him in the spring and starting to rebuild. It was like this time last year, and halfway through the season, he was he, um, there was nothing but positives being spoken about him. So. Hopefully, yeah. um, for the good of the game, he comes back. But again, I, I, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the big hugest surprise to me if he ended up if he ended up more down the Ryanair route. Or so time will tell in that in that respect. I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too conclusive as to what what trip he wants at, that, at the minute. Like because he he's not he's not a slow horse by any means. So um, time will tell. But as we know, Chewley Park do want to do like to. Uh, Think about gold, the gold cup, and 
um, Richard said in the book, that's the way they'll go if things go to plan. Yeah. Well, they've got a genuine Gold Cup contender for sure in a Plutard. And they may very yeah, well have one in, in Voilan. It just remains to be seen if that's going to be how things work out. Um, yeah. Who would be your strongest anti-post bet for Cheltenham right now? Uh, I have not even placed a bet at this stage. If I had to force to have one, um, and they're going to mean each way a five to one because if he gets there, he won't be out the three. <laughs> <laughs> Scumbag each way bet account closed. Love it. Love it. Um, I, I find it hard to disagree with you there. But, uh, and this is not just a, I'll show you, Paul Ferguson. Uh, I really like Echoes and Ryan for the champion hurdle. I have the utmost yeah. respect for Honeysuckle and um, particularly Henry and Rachel, but I just think Echoes and Rain has got uh, an enormous amount of potential. Those two mares bounding up the hill, that'd be quite something. Uh, let's talk about some handicappers, uh, handicap novice chasers that uh, we could be seeing this season. And, um You've highlighted a, a, a couple for me, so I'll, I'll name a few. You can name a few because your handwriting is terrible. Um, <laughs> your, your handwriting is almost as bad as mine, and mine is illegible. Um, but Killer Kane is one of the horses that you threw at me, first of all, for Colin Tizard. Um, yeah, I just thought it would be nice to touch upon a few novice handicap chases because obviously we've touched on the grade one horses and um, everyone talks about them and... Pre-season and things, so I thought it'd be the novice handicap division is something that I like. To be honest, I know some people um, don't like the fact that there are a lot of limited handicaps for novices about, but you get competitive races, you get horses who have shown a um, bit of potential over hurdles and have the scope to improve a good bit, and there's a bit more value in them races often that you're not looking at a, such a short price favourite. So yeah, first one, um, Killer Kane. Currently rated uh, 128, 129, I think, 128. He won at Exeter in a maiden hurdle at the end of last season in March, uh, beating a horse called Our Surprise, uh, who franked that form by um, winning later on Newton Abbott, although he was actually beating a form well at the weekend, so he didn't look so well enough to form this, but I wouldn't be too uh, disheartened by that. Um, Killer Kane had earlier. Uh, he won a point to point before he was cost big money and he made his debut at Aintree last October when I saw him in the paddock and he was a standout that day. Um, he just looked a real big, imposing individual who would come into his own as a chaser in time. Uh, he travelled best and didn't quite get home over two and a half. He raced a bit, a bit exuberantly. He was then off for 112 days and he was beaten at Exeter on soft ground. It was probably a combination of the, the time off and um, he was a little bit keen again and he faded late on so he dropped back to two mile one he got off the mark um, but I think his future's all ahead of him and although he could go down the handicap hurdle route I would like him to be switched straight to fences and he'd definitely be one to to um, to focus on first time out in a novice handicap Okay, that's the son of Oscar Killer Kane who is trained by Mr. Armadillo himself Colin Cesar we haven't done that in so long it's um, crazy uh, The Edgar Wallace for Kim Bailey yeah, there's actually two with four lines who cross in here to cover both of them in one go. Uh, Diego Wallace, trained by Kim Bailey, I say. Sam Barton, trained by Emma Lavelle. They clashed in a maiden hurdle at Doncaster um, in January. Sam Barton came out on top. Uh, that form looks pretty decent up for parole. Who was behind him, came out and won twice. 
Um, Diego Wallace himself came out and won a decent race at Toxeter in March. He's still actually a novice over hurdles till the end of the season. Um, and as such, he might reappear. He's held three entries this week. He didn't take up two of them. Um, he's got an entry in the Persian War on Saturday, uh, on Friday, sorry, at Chepstow. So he could reappear in that or in another novice hurdle. But then I'd like to see his attentions um, switch to fences. He's currently rated 132. Um, and I know he's always been held in high regard. He's a lovely individual. Uh, son of Fleming's Firth, I've seen him a couple of times in Kim Bailey's yard. Um, and I think it's just been a case of he's looked quite green throughout his novice uh, hurdle and his bumper seasons for that matter. He actually won third time out in both um, seasons. So I'm hoping it won't take him three runs to get off the mark over fences. He's one to look forward to. As I say, he probably will have one more run over hurdles first. Sam Barton, who beat him, he's also raised 132. He went on to finish fourth um, at Sandown in EBF final off, off that mark of 132. The ground was pretty bottomless that day. I know he's beaten a long way, but he moved quite well and he looks your archetypal um, Trevor Hemmings type of horse that is really a staying chaser in the making. Um, again, I've seen him a couple of times over the past couple of years at Emma Lavelle's yard. He's a lovely big son of Black Sam Bellamy. He looks built for fences and I would expect him to improve for chasing as well. How many horses does Trevor Hemmings still have? Uh, he, he was slowing down, wasn't he? At, at some point, but when I went when I visited some of the yards, there's some there's some youngsters knocking about. So he has, I think he's been buying again. Okay. So he, he did cut. He obviously cut down, but there's a few. I think I'm sure I had one when I was visited there. And um, so I think yeah, I think he's, he's still got a fair few to go to war with this year. Good because he had a massive dispersal, which was not nice to see. Um, when you have such famous colours and a famous owner having to step away from from the sport or, or downscale. Um, it's not something that you want to see. Uh, staying with, so that's two horses who have integrated form lines. Um, then going from one trainer to a, to uh, the same trainer. So Sam Barton's with Emma Lavelle. Uh, she also has Red Rookie. Yeah, Red Rookie. And he at least has a bit of intertwining form as well. He finished Edgar fourth Wallace. behind the Edgar Wallace in, yeah. in that um, race that you talked to, which was the novice hurdle. He's only had three runs over. Um, he won two bumpers, and he's only had three runs over hurdles. He, he ran behind Bear Hills and a decent maiden hurdle at Linkfield early season. Then he returned from um, best part of four months off to win in heavy ground at Sandown over two miles, and then under a penalty, he just didn't quite get over. Him. I didn't think it was toxic, so um, I was pleased to uh, to hear that. Spent of speaking with Emma over the summer, that she's going to keep dropping back to two miles because she was kind of of the same opinion. That he didn't get home. Uh, so he's rated 127 at the minute. I think he's very much one, and he's one for the middle of the winter because his uh, form figures on heavy ground are one, one, one. His two bumpers were um, bumper wins were achieved on heavy ground. I think he likes that surface again. He's a really big individual, um, and he was one who did catch the eye when I was walking around the yard um, when I re- when I visited them as recently, and um, I say. I think there'll be a few long faces if he's not rated a fair bit higher than 127 come the end of the year. Make that note in your tracker final Furlong podcast army. Heavy going. One, 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 one. And let's hope it's another one uh, when he faces heavy going again soon. So that's Red Rookie, who's a, a young horse for him at Lavelle. Uh, Richard Phillips, trainer of the late great Lalandier, uh, Lesser. 
Yeah, uh, Lassie A is probably one of the um, lesser known names that we would have spoken about. Hey, um, he won. Hey, but yeah, he won. He won a point to point beating um, a horse called Milan Ford. I think he's rated over 137 now for Nick Mitchell. Um, a decent novice chase last year. He beat, he beat him in a Bally Crystal point to point. Uh, first off, Richard, he won a banger bumper on heavy ground by 11 lengths. Straight over hurdles, he won twice towards the end of the season in the spring. He won by a wide margin at Weatherby when he was left in front. He had the race won, but he was left well clear at the final flight. And then he followed up on better ground when stepped up to two mile five. He scored by 15 lengths under a penalty at Kelso. Uh, he's currently rated 130. Again, because he only won in March, he's still a novice hurdle until the end of October. So be the possibility of running somewhere, although he would have a double penalty to carry now. Um, or he could run in a, in a slightly better novice hurdle. Um, but again, he looks like his future lies with fences. He's got the physique of a chaser. Uh, unbeaten in, in his four starts, we don't really know um, where the ceiling lies with him. He is seven, so he has been lightly raced for his age. Um, but let's say I would, I would think he's probably also that might go under the radar. Um, I'm from a mark of 130. I'd certainly be interested in him in the novice handicap chase. Okay, novice handicap chase of the mark of 130. Uh, lesser seven-year-old for Richard Phillips. Uh, Solwera one. Yeah, Solwera one. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that Neil Mulholland would have a really good season with his novice chases. I hasn't quite gone to plan in the early weeks of the season. Any news was heavily backed when I was at Warwick last week and was just touched off. Uh, Milkwood was very disappointing on Sunday. Then if anything's come to light, but I used, Maybe the ground was a tad soft for him, but I was I was slightly disappointed. But I was expecting a little bit more from Milford. He was very disappointed. Um, yeah, so I don't know if anything will come to light from, from that. But Solara one would be another one. I'm sure Neil's looking forward to sending over fences. He's again, he's a seven-year-old, but he's really lightly raced. Um, he ran in three novice hurdles last year, winning two of them, and then he went to Aintree. Then he's travelled like a dream in the two and a half mile handicap hurdle and finished sixth. He was beaten less than eight lengths by Tronador. Um, it was a, a solid enough run and um, I think a strong, more strongly run race would have actually suited them for, for an for an entry handicap he went quite a slow pace that day surprisingly so um, that was the only that was the first time in his life he's actually been up the first two um, even his bumper form reads quite well beating a horse of David Pipes at the start of last year called Astagar so uh, he, again he's a nice horse going forward I'd imagine he, he'd probably be around a two and a half mile trip and he starts the season on a mark of 134, but as I touched upon, he, he does look like a horse who travels strongly off a, off a truly run race. So while it's, he might well do do well in, in the first part of the season, he could be one to keep an eye on later in the campaign when pitched into an open handicap or something. Um, I think he's a nice horse and I think there's a decent race in him. Okay. Now, there are two other horses that you sent me on your, your screen grab on WhatsApp. Now the WhatsApp's actually working again. Um, yeah. And uh, I can't read the names, so just tell I've us who got, they are. I've only got one more. It must, it must be oh. it's that bad. The writing's that bad. It's, it's a two, it's a two-worded horse. It's my dyslexia Fonk. coupled yeah. with your horrible writing. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Fontaine Colange, I'm a, a six-year-old mare trained by Venetia Williams. Um, pretty sure she cost uh, cost a pretty penny when she was bought out of France. Um, a couple of a couple of summers ago, a couple of springs ago, she came over um, and won. She won a bumper at Ludlow, 
and then was pitched into a grade two novice hurdle on her first start of hurdles then returned last year and she only ran twice um, last winter she finished third at Wincan and then was a winner on heavy ground um, she was receiving plenty of weight from the winner no risk to flow um, it's a decent horse of Ollie Murphy's and probably wants to follow in uh, handicap hurdles this season with the purple the mile clear again she seemed to relish the heavy ground that day um, and she just prevailed by a neck but she's really lightly raced and appeals as the type who could either step forward considerably might, she might well reappear, reappear in the handicap hurdle I'm not sure um, but from a mark of 116 again when she gets deep ground I'd be interested and Venetia does have a habit of improving these lowly rated horses over hurdles into um, really smart chases so if she does go down the down the chase route, obviously she'd have the, the possibility of running a mares race as well as handicap. So um, there'd probably be lots and lots of opportunities for her and it wouldn't be at all surprised to see her uh, put a string of ones next to, next to her name. You had me at this horse costs quite a bit of money. Uh, when, yeah, when... Back, I think let's have a look. 180,000 euros at Arcana in May 2019. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm sold. <laughs> Sold and uh, in the tracker, any horse that you give us uh, instantly goes into the tracker straight away. Um, you, as as part of uh, the the um, book jumpers to follow, you have been to the following stables: Kim Bailey, Nick Alexander, uh, Sam Allawood, uh, Keith Alwish, uh, Ben Case. You've been chatting. I've not necessarily been to all of those yards. No, but you've been chatting to them, though. Yeah, yeah, and things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, COVID would mean you can't go to everybody anyway. Uh, been, yeah, there's the, the, the stable visits that I've done it more so after the book actually went to print. I've been around and we got a bit of footage for social media and things. So it's nice to see some of the horses as they're coming back into training for the season. Nice, nice. Uh, you've been to Kate Tracy Land with uh, Tom George. Uh, Chris Gordon and um, Warren Greatrix, who I think is set for a, a an improved season. Uh, Nikki, our old friend, did you get a brandy? Uh, no, no, no. Alan King, um, Kerry Lee, Emma Lavelle, of course, who we've talked about in depth. Uh, Nikki Martin, Donald McCain, he's set for a big season as well. Um, Gary Moore and uh, Ollie Murphy, who's got uh, some very nice horses. One I want to talk to you the next time you're on. Um, and of course, uh, one of the greatest of all time, Paul Nichols. Uh, and our one of our favorite trainers, Mr. Fergal O'Brien. So there's um, there's so much content here, and it's not just that. Yeah. And hey, David Pipe Racing Club. The certificate is here in the studio. Uh, talking to David Pipe as well. The horses, I'll just give you a mention about the horses. Um, I'll give you one. He mentions Brinkley. That's it. you got to read the book otherwise. Uh, how do you read the book? Here's how. Go to weatherbeeshop.co.uk. Weatherbeeshop.co.uk. You can Google it if you'd like. Um, really easy to find. And Paul's book is featured right on the front page. There's a big banner uh, that has a, a number of features, but the number one feature is Jumpers to Follow. And I'm not just saying this. Paul's been a regular on the Final Front Podcast now for I mean, three, four years? Three years at yep. least. 
I think it's three years at yeah. least. And I think this is the second year we've done this. And um, I love reading the book. And it's it's great to get to do this show with you. And we we don't just do any old shows on the final furlong. Um, we thankfully get to work with people that we actually want to work with. And it's great to work with you. It's great to work with Weatherbees. So jumpers to follow. If you want it in the old-timey book format, you can do that. If you want it in the digital edition, yes, please, like myself, uh, it is available that way. Or you can have the bundle. You can choose. You can pick up the book, and you can also have the uh, access to the digital edition as well. Um, Eleven ninety-five for the book. Nine ninety-five for the digital copy. Thirteen ninety-five for the print and digital bundle. However, because you're members of the Final Fallen Podcast Army you get a discount. So it is JTF21FF. If you just if you're on the site and you're thinking, what the hell is that code? Just think jumpers to follow 21 final furlong. JTF21FF. Enter that code and you get yourself a discount of how much? Uh, three pounds off either print or digital or bundle. I mean, we're giving you gravy here. And there's unbelievable amounts of detail and unbelievable amounts of content here as well. So, yeah. Uh, I, I should just point out that I know people do get um, confused and think that they are trainer comments and in Jumpers Follow. They are actually my own view of the arts. The, the contributions from elsewhere are the 10 jockeys um, we've included there are Aidan Coleman, Jamie Codd, um, Harry Skelton. John Joe O'Neill Jr., Patrick Mullins, as we said, and the pundit selection. Um, uh, of the eight pundits, including um, final fail on contributors, Rory Delaghi, Jane Legend. Mangan, Jess Legend. Stafford, and Kate, and Kate Tracy. Legend. But the other, the, other, the, other, the rest of the book is all my waffle and not so much. Um, so people do just get confused with that sometimes and think that they are quotes from the trainers, whether or not they're, they're actually my view on their horses but in some ways look we're going to be talking to a lot of the trainers ourselves on the final furlong and yeah uh you'll have access to them through their various different brand ambassador deals uh in in a lot of ways like what a trainer says about a horse can be interesting but i prefer hearing what you have to say i prefer hearing what um uh, other people that I respect have to say about or Rory, for example, has to say Jane Mangan, yeah. um, Jess. Uh, I, I'm I'm intrigued as to what your thought process is because particularly if it's a horse that I'm already interested in, or if it's a race that I've got my mind set on a certain horse, and then I read something from you that makes me go, oh, actually, uh, I need to reevaluate that race. That I think is yeah. Is it was interesting when I yeah when I was down at Paul's. Paul Nichols is recently in the summer. Um, he was asking a question, and I actually I prefer going round the yards. I obviously I'll make calls to them and inquire about the horses' well-being and things, but um, I do actually prefer going around once the book's published. I don't like having too much influence from. Um, you, know, you can get you can get certain trainers who who, who are um, really keen on the horses and things. So I try and uh, use a level head when including the horse in the book of my own opinion first before um, 
venturing about, but but that's the, that's the thinking behind it. So, which this kind of almost briefly touches on something that Rory and I were discussing last night, which is the right way because if you think about it, and this is with the greatest of respect, and trainers themselves have said this on the Final Furlong podcast and jockeys as well on, in the past too, they're very biased. If they're looking at things from their own perspective and they're like, oh my God, that horse worked amazing. But they don't know yeah, how well, like Paul doesn't know how well Willie's horses are, are, are working. He doesn't know that when he is going to run a horse in a maiden hurdle, that Nicky Henderson's got one working even better and, and has the exactly. potential to be better. You know, it, un, until they meet on the track, uh, it's it's not going to be settled. And uh, and that's one of the things that's fascinating about it. So that, that's why I prefer, instead of, I, I think trainer quotes can be very valuable and very interesting. I think owner quotes can be very telling, particularly someone like Michael Tabor, who just says it as it is. Um, but I, I think the independent assessment of somebody as good as yourself is invaluable, which is why you need jumpers to follow 2021-2022. It's the 5th of October as we're recording this. My God, uh, you need it in your life. So head to weatherbeeshop.co.uk. Paul Ferguson's Jumpers to Follow. It is set, It is featured on the main site right there, straight away. But for final Furlong podcast listeners, because Weatherbees like you so much, they want to give you a discount. So JTF21FF. Enter that code in. Is it all capital letters? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I should have assume it work otherwise, but yeah. yeah the one just, I was given was capital letters. Yeah. Just in case it doesn't work on lowercase, hit that caps lock. Uh, JTF21FF. All together, hit apply, and you'll get your £3 discount, whether you're buying the print, digital, or the bundle. And don't forget that you can also purchase Paul's Jumpers to Follow online updates, which is his weekly diary slash dialogue on his thoughts on what's happening in the world of racing and the horses that he's followed so far, and maybe horses to add in, which hopefully we will also get from Paul on the final front podcast again. Uh, I want to talk to you about some bloodstock stuff in the world of jumps racing, but we're going to do that in the next show because uh, I've taken up enough of your time and COVID is eating away at my brain and I need to go like that. <laughs> Don't get COVID. It's not fun. Uh, that's it, my man. Um, really enjoyed that. And um, I'm, I'm very excited for Champions Day. I'm very excited for the Breeders' Cup in particular. Um, Chepstow on Friday, I mean, surely. Obviously, Chepstow on Friday, of course. Uh, I'm I'm really excited for... Eh, I am still excited for the Melbourne Cup, but not as not as I have been, and we'll explain that in the future Final Forum podcast. But um, there's a lot of the flat season still to come. The Verton Futurity, for example, the Dewhurst at the weekend. And yet, when I talk to you in this show about the Jumps campaign, and we're talking about the King George and the Tinkle Creek and the Cheltenham Festival, it's it's so hard not to get caught up in it. It's so hard not to get caught up in the buzz and the excitement of what's to come. And um, it's... 
oh, it's the potential and so much more. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So um, we've got a number of shows still to do together, my man, and um, hopefully plenty more as well. So uh, looking forward to your insight, looking forward to chatting to you about um, your thoughts on more horses. Looking forward to that bloodstock chat that I want to have with you. Uh, but also the very best of luck with one of the best publications, the publication that you have to have in your arsenal um, because you've worked so hard on it, but also it's just class. Um, I've had the privilege of getting to read it over the last few days and there's some gold in there. So jumpers to follow, weatherbyshop.co.uk, JTF21FF will get you your gravy train discount. Paul Ferguson. Stay safe, my friend. We'll chat to you again very, very soon. Thanks, Anna. Speak soon. And thank you for listening. Um, If you have not hit subscribe on Spotify yet, looks like we're heading there. So um, we're already on Spotify, but make sure you hit subscribe on Spotify. Uh, Almost certainly you will still be able to listen to us on other podcast apps too. Don't have to have an account with Spotify. Uh, to listen to podcasts but um, it's just going to be easier for us all around if you if you do that so uh, show us the love on Spotify it would be much appreciated particularly if you like hearing from Paul uh, Rory Kate Lucy and the whole team uh, hit the subscribe button on Spotify wherever it is you are and um, we'll be looking forward to hopefully producing you more great content that you will thoroughly enjoy more flat to come and of course if you like this lots more jump conversations to come as well uh paul ferguson stay safe my friend and you stay safe as well uh, look after yourself stay covid free and we'll chat to you soon Go on, thanks for listening to the final furlong podcast proudly brought to you by tote make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app